are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Hey, greetings. Happy Tuesday here on Westwood One. This is the Steve Day Show podcast powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace, and I, I want to just, uh, I don't mean this to be a humble brag. I don't. Um, but I, I was uh, updating the podcast list on my iPad because I switched iPads a couple months ago. I upgraded, you know, and um, I've got a new iPad speaker port coming in from Amazon. That's going to really amplify the sound. And so I'm going to start listening to more of my podcast on my iPad where, I, where the sound gets louder than on my phone. So I was updating some of the podcasts uh, on my iPad over the last couple of days. And then I'm like, you know, if you're running for office, you got to go vote for yourself, right? So I'm going to subscribe to the podcast I do. We need all the help. We need all the boost of numbers we can get, right? Mm-hmm. So I scrolled down and I took a note of uh, how many reviews we have for the podcast. And I think we were at 535 five-star reviews, which is, I thought, well, that sound, sounds pretty good, but I've got really nothing to compare it to, you know? And so one of my go-to theology podcasts is Ravi Zacharias's Let My People Think, you know? So I went to download that. Like, I remember the day he followed me on Twitter. I, I was, I was verklempt. Uh, but um, I went to download that and... It's much more noticeable on the iPad than on the on your phone with the with the reviews and stuff are. You gotta kinda dig for it when you go on your phone. But in the iPad, the screen's bigger and everything's right in front of you. And I saw we had like two hundred more five star reviews than Ravi Zacharias' podcast. And that King Kong ain't got nothing on I, me. I, I even texted something Aaron about it. I was, this was like one of the cool minute moments for me, dude. I just thought that was so cool. Um, because I hold what they do over there at uh, RZIM. I hold them in very high esteem. Uh, so I just thought that was really cool, and I just wanted to say thank you, right? So I appreciated it. I thought it was pretty cool, you know, but I'm kind of a I'm a Ravi fanboy. So Did you do the Ooh. thing where you, like, yell up the stairs and, hey, hey, honey, want to know how awesome I am? I texted it to the yeah. wife, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife loves it when I do that kind she's of like, thing. That's, she's like, I'm going to bed. She's yeah. like, that's cool, honey. Thank you. Yeah, we have lots more reviews than a lot of people who you would be surprised, maybe, that we have more reviews than. Nobody seems less impressed when I accomplish something than she does. I'm, and I'm, I'm simply going to take it as she sees it as her role to keep my ego in check. You know, so last night, last night along those lines, we were. Uh watching TV and turned into channel surfing somewhere between nine and 10. And so I come across Fox, mm-hmm. just never watch it anymore. Uh, together alone, but we stop on it for a little while. By a little while, I mean like the three minutes and instantly I'm, I'm just talking to the TV. That's a lie, that's wrong, <laughs> that's wrong. And she's like, oh yeah, we're not doing this. And like, no, 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 no. So, okay, fair enough. Uh, leave that. At, leave that at your job. Don't take that home with you. 
Um, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned our podcast here for Westwood One is powered by CRTV. They underwrite the cost of this to make it free for you, the people. Uh, but in exchange for that, we like to let you know what we do each and every day at CRTV, where if you use my name, you get a discounted subscription. How discounted? A quarter a day is all it will cost you to watch our television show every day. And not just our show, but every show Mark Levin does, Stephen Crowder does, the entire team, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, the entire stable of talent we have here at CRTV is available to you for just a quarter a day if you go to CRTV.com and use my name as a promo code DACE. Let's give the audience a little preview of what's coming up on the show today at CRTV. Todd, I'll start with you today. I think you'll get from the tenor of our just our general presentation the way we're thinking uh and i include um you know in the uh, round table when john miller enters uh, we are it's this is beyond a theological exercise of you know connecting dots to what the future holds we, we are there right now and i i don't see any way uh short of the miraculous that election 2018 isn't absurd violent toxic uh on fire uh john says you know it's 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 and he's not wrong that it's everybody's job to try to de-escalate things but as we talked about yesterday when god is never a part of that conversation on any level how can we expect it to stop the logical conclusion is that it's only going to get worse within the next five months Hmm. aaron yeah, I, I think today's two main big stories, um, when you put those two together, there may be a day, maybe sometime sooner, maybe it's later, where instead of having nine justices, maybe narrowly deciding that Jack Phillips um, was discriminated against or was unfairly targeted be- because of his beliefs, when you put the two stories, the big stories about today uh, together, I think we are closer to the day when Scarecrow is going to sit on a bench and tell Jack Phillips or Baronel Stutzman or Aaron and Melissa Klein, death or exile. Is that what you would like? Would you like to see my mask? Yeah. <laughs> I think we are we are heading towards that time. Uh, yeah. Yes, we are. I don't think there's much doubt about that whatsoever. The the argument is how fast. how fast are we going to arrive there? How 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 much around the corner, or how soon around the corner is it really? There's clearly a, a segment of our society that wants to take us there. There's no question about that. What we're trying to debate right now, and we got into this a lot on the TV show today, so I don't want to spoil it. But we're trying to find out right now how much of a segment of our society is it? How much? Like that's what we're determining now. And the answer to that will ultimately, ultimately determine probably, barring revival, how soon around the corner this happens to be. No question about it. Well, again, if you want to subscribe to CRTV, you want to watch our show today and every single show we do from the great one, Mark Levin, right on down. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, discounted subscription, just a quarter a day. Available for you today. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get to it. Pop Culture Tuesday. I'm going to warn you now, if you've not seen either the new Incredibles movie or the new Jurassic Park movie, spoilers are coming forth. There's no way to have this conversation without doing so. So I want to warn you in advance, if you haven't seen those films, you don't want anything about their plots spoiled for you. 
then maybe save this podcast, come back and listen to it, uh, you know, in a few days or a few weeks later on when you've had a chance to see both of those movies. Uh, so you're not mad at us later on. That's why we're warning you now. So I'll give you to the count of three. And then after that, you're on your own. Okay. Three, two, and one. So we've been having this conversation and it really goes back. Well, I think I said the other day, guys, it goes back to Wonder Woman last year, but it really goes back to Get Out last year where I thought about it. It really goes back to that movie where, again, if you'll recall, the villains are progressive white people who are just using black people to drain them of their blackness. And and every time I say that, I get an email from some that's, that can't be the plot of the movie. And I always ask Aaron to back me up. Aaron, is that the plot of the movie? It is. It is the plot of the movie. The main villain of the movie even looks in the camera and says, I voted for Obama twice, and I would have voted for him a third time if I could, right before he puts a black man essentially in a cage, (laughs) right? That is the plot of the movie. To which Todd will then say, because we've done this show before, so why do they celebrate this movie, all these progressives at award show? To which I will say, I don't know. Maybe they didn't watch it. Watch it for yourself. That is the plot of the movie, Okay. We, the, the audience has heard this show. They've heard us discuss the complementarianism, the the orthodox uh, view of the gospel that's portrayed in Wonder Woman, right? Because we've had this run over the last year and a half of major Hollywood films. We just did this about a month and a half ago uh, with with uh, um, the Avengers movie, where Thanos is essentially Thomas Malthus. He's Margaret Sanger. That's that's who he is. That's who the villain is. And we've been fascinated by this trend line of these major Hollywood films, even horror films. A couple weeks ago, right? Whereas even last week, we talked we talked about Hereditary and um, A Quiet Place, two critically acclaimed horror films. A Quiet Place is going to be one of the best uh, grossing horror films of all time. Um, and, and the worldviews of these movies. And so we've had this interesting run where a lot of themes people like you and I, you and I believe in to some degree or another have been highlighted and in a favorable way in a lot of the most successful movies in Hollywood over the last year and a half and not just like the animated films I mean like the the, the mainstream motion picture films I mean you're typically going to get at least some of our themes in a Disney or Pixar universal despicable me movie right no we mean like even in places you wouldn't expect it like Get Out for example I mean let's face it we we were all anticipating we were all scared to death of what Wonder Woman was going to be last spring before that movie came out Todd we were all scared to death yes we, what they were going to do with it okay we, we thought it was possible she literally might burn her bra right there on camera right okay and it is now one of my favorite and my children's favorite comic book movies yes. of all time. Yeah. This streak continues in The Incredibles 2, which probably isn't a shock if you've seen The Incredibles 1. I, I would rank The Incredibles 1, if I had to go last 25 years, modern, contemporary, animated films. Up would be in, in my top five. Shrek, the first one, would be in my top five. Despicable Me, the first one, although it could be argued the second one might even be better, would be in my top five. Uh, Toy Story 3 would be in my top five. I think it's the best movie in the franchise. Maybe also because um, as a parent, I was just entering that stage the mom was entering into in that movie. So I was very sympathetic to it. It might have something to do with it. Uh, But my number one would be the first Incredibles movie. It is one of the most overtly pro-family conservative films. You couldn't, we couldn't have written it much better if one of us had done it. I'm not talking in terms of the quality. I mean, in terms of the worldview. I mean, I, I, I still love the line 
when the mom is telling her children to suppress their God-given gifts. So everyone else can feel like they're special too. And the son, Dash, looks at her and says, if everyone's special, then no one is, right? Every dad who refused to hand his son a trophy for participating in any event said, preach, when that line came out. That movie was also almost 15 years ago. Blew me away that it was that long ago. Now we have the sequel. You have seen it, right? I have. It's excellent. Aaron, have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I, I, I find if these are the top two movies in America and in the world right now are The Incredibles 2 and Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom 2. I want to talk about who the villains in both of these movies are. Okay? Because they're appealing to a lot of the same audiences and they could not be any more different. In The Incredibles 2... And again, we've been war- you've were warned about spoilers, okay? In The Incredibles 2, the villain. Now, the, if you if you look at the timetable of The Incredibles, the movie takes place like in early mid 60s, when you say, probably that kind of an era. Yes. All right. It is a woman who would sort of be a proto-feminist. Wouldn't you say the sister would be kind of a proto-feminist? Yeah. She does, she, she's not wearing the typical, you know, day dress with a nightgown uniform you saw in the late 50s. If you, if you watch like a show like Mad Men, which I tried watching two episodes of, I hated every character, so I stopped. But like what, yeah. is, like what is typical of what you see from television shows that are either from that era or depict that Correct. era, right? Okay. Yes. She, she's wearing a pantsuit. She's got trimmed hair. She is a proto-feminist. There is no doubt about this. She's the villain of the movie. And one of the things she cannot stand the most, one of the driving impulses she hates the most, is that her brother, who's her business partner, took over the dad's business after he died. Her brother believes in the free market. In fact, Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is not even hinted at. No. She explicitly yes. says this. Yes. This is a line of dialogue from the villain in the film, correct? That's why in these movies I keep thinking like I'm on candid camera. I'm like, is this for real? Are they really saying this? And I'm looking at people's faces. Absolutely, they yes. say it out loud. Uh, at first, the mom in The Incredibles and her begin to hit it off. Because the mom is like a lot of moms. Overworked and underpaid. <laughs> All right, um, she's she's uh, she's got a husband who's got who's approaching midlife crisis and is discontented because he's tired of stifling his gifts. And just when they thought they could bring him back out into the gen pop, they're telling him to throw him back away again. So he's looking at I got to do a do nothing desk job like I did in the first movie and hate my life all over again. She's got a son who's on the print who's on the precipice of puberty, and that early onset, you know, the first droplets of testosterone are coming in and he's a lot less likely to just do what mom and dad say especially when they tell him be less of a man be less than you are they're like he's like i don't think i'm i'm god wired me that way i don't think i'm supposed to to suck at things i'm great at i don't think that's how this works okay you've got the the teenage girl and you and i've got some experience with this everything's dramatic everything's the end of the world you know um and then you have a got an infant kid, okay? So, and then 
she kind of would like to have her own life, typical mom stuff. So at first she finds a kindred spirit with the proto-feminist uh, sister mm-hmm. that runs the business that yeah. wants to, her brother wants to bring superheroes out of hiding for real. He wants he thinks they're good. It's good to have special people doing things to u- using their gifts to help the mm-hmm. downtrodden. Okay. And at first, you know, her the, the proto feminist general laments about the state of things and women getting the short sh- short uh, you know end of the stick. The mom sees a bit of a kindred spirit there. Yeah. She she feels them of that. I mean, you and I are married to women in these sorts of situations, and you know, I mean, we can be sympathetic. We 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 can hear. We know mm-hmm. what what you know, women at this stage of life what they think. We go home to that every night, you know, and sadly contribute to some of yes. <laughs> why they think this way. Right? Yes. All right. Um, but then there's a very clear line and I I can't remember exactly how it's worded because this is another specific piece of dialogue and remember you 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 brought it up to me right away after you saw the movie last week so maybe, you, maybe, maybe you'll recall it better than me but there's a very specific line where if the villain is the proto-feminist, the mom is sort of a proto-Irma Bombeck. Meaning she has some generic laments about the state of femininity and the unreachable and unattainable demands that are put on her to always look great, to always be the perfect mom, mm-hmm. to always have the kids that act that act perfectly and to, and to make sure all of her husband's needs are met. And then, by the way, maybe at some point after everybody's in bed, maybe one of your needs will be met, right? There's that general Irma Bombeck feel that Holly Hunter's yeah. mom character has. But there's clearly, there's like, and it's not like even a line, there's like a wall that it's a moat that the feminist character wants Holly Hunter's mom to cross to take sort of their friendship to the next level and she is not willing to cross it. And so they spend the first half of this movie where their interests seem to align quite a bit. They seem to be developing the best of friendships. But when it's clear Holly Hunter, uh, while she's tired of getting the short end of the stick, she likes being a woman. She likes being a mom. She likes being a wife. She just like her love tank some people to make some deposits into her love account as opposed to always asking for withdrawals and if you're a mom in our audience raise your hand if you've never felt that way that's what i thought okay so when the when it comes from hey i'd like to be honored and loved and respected as much as a mom as i'm giving everybody else in this home when the when it when they come to the point where she must she's being asked by the villain to cross from that line to Motherhood is, uh, and and all of these are, I'm not getting my needs met because of this oppressive patriarchy that believes in free market economics. And so I'm going to deconstruct it. I'm going to dismantle it. The relationship between these two goes from a budding friendship. They become mortal enemies. And the, the second half of the movie is while all the other members of the family are attempting to essentially save the general population from the results of this plot, the the, the natural disasters, death, destruction, etc., there is a very personal, Luke Vader-like one-on-one battle that is this that goes on just between the mom, the proto Irma Bombeck, and the proto feminist. Did you pick up on this? Oh, not only picked up at it. I just can't believe it happened and happened successfully. It actually happened. In this movie, Mr. Incredible is 
is a secondary character. If you would have told me that would have happened and, and it would have been this kind of duke up between two female I just no one in Hollywood could pull that off. It's great. Or, or they could have pulled it off and not had you walk away yeah. thinking, I, I just watched the animated version of uh, the feminine oh, right. mystique, well, Betty well, Fernandez. Well, that's this what movie I, from yes, the that's implied yeah. in what I say by pull it. They, they did it. It, it. It's remarkable. And multiple times at the end, there's a part at the end, I don't think I'm giving it away, but, uh, and, and I'll, I, we'll talk about the other ones later, but when, when um, the villain actually says to Mrs. Incredible, if it wasn't for you and your quote, core values right right we That's could have been friends yes yeah it's like, and that was on the heels in the end there's some messaging in the end in like it's all packed in with like five mm-hmm. minutes mm-hmm. and it's just it's just boilerplate conservatism it's mm-hmm. remarkable mm-hmm. it's there's no way it's an accident it's mm-hmm. it's just it's a great movie i and mr incredible is a side plot but he gets his moment. Don't, oh, I mean, yes. They, yes they, I, he gets his moment to play the hero. I sort of, it reminded me a lot of Mr. Mom, actually. And I, I Holly Hunter's character reminded me a lot of Terry Garr's character. You know, listen, to, uh, from that film. And remember, uh, Michael Keaton is the automobile, mm-hmm. automobile yeah, yeah. executive in Detroit. And uh, the U.S. auto industry gets creamed in the early 80s by Japanese imports. And they all get laid off, right? And the wife's got this advertising marketing degree and someone needs to pay the bill. So she goes to work and he stays home. That dynamic kind of occurs here. Yes. Because they want to bring the superheroes out of hiding and they think having a softer, more feminine lead. Well, that's what it's sold as. Really, you get the sense that the proto-feminist, who's the brother's business partner and kind of his marketing genius, Mm -hmm. that she did this with an attempt to essentially feminist, egalitarian, third-wave feminist superheroes. And that's where Holly Hunter's character says, listen, I'd like a little more me time. I'd I'd like my family to put me first at least half the time Half as often as I put them first, okay? But when you're asking me to hate my family, when you're asking me to hate our way of life, uh, I'm not, that's, I, I, I won't go there, okay? That's a line I won't cross. And that's when she says to her, if it weren't for your core convictions, we could be friends, right? That is powerful, and and the Mr. Mom stuff with Mr. Incredible, it's 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 done so well. I mean, the scene where he goes to the uh, dolling, the, who's the gal that oh, does the costumes? I, I can't remember. It's great. Yes, and I've because I've been that guy. I laughed out loud when Amy goes away for a long time, and I have tried since the kids were born to pride myself on not on not making her feel like when she goes away, I can't just step right in. Okay, but if she, there is a certain point of time, like I, you know, because I. I'm, the way it works in our house is day-to-day, since mom's always been with them, she does the day-to-day discipline. When the bad, really bad stuff happens, I'm the hammer dropper. Other than that, I kind of get to be cool dad. I come home from work, I get to take him here, go do the fun stuff, right, you know? And what'll happen, though, is if Amy's gone for like more than three or four days, when's mom getting home? You don't know how to do this, <laughs> all right? That scene where he goes to her estate to get his new costume and just starts rambling. Oh, uh, he's like speaking in tons. Cookie, yes, cookie, it's I have, great. I've been there. I have done that before <laughs> yes. as a dad. And I just, I laughed out loud. They just freaking nailed that, yeah. okay? So I, I didn't find this demeaning to my masculinity oh, no, no. whatsoever. Um, I, I think you will greatly appreciate it. Uh, 
It is, from a worldview standpoint, just like the first one was, um, it's overtly conservative at times, particularly in the last, at the very end, as you point out, Todd. What's interesting to me is the movie it lost its number one ranking to this past weekend appeals to a lot of the same audiences. And that's the new Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, summer blockbuster fun, just give me yep. some action and laughs. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And man, when I... I just spent this week where I'm getting destroyed on my Facebook wall and on my inbox for defending Chris Pratt that he actually just gave people out a generic view of the gospel and not Calvin's Institutes on MTV's Movie Awards, right? We just did that whole thing last week, yep. okay? And so the timing of... of here I am, man. I, I run out into this. I run out into the crowded street to have this. <laughs> and then when we got to the end of the movie, and I saw what they, with the how they resolved the plot, I'm like, really? I know this is. I know you guys don't know who I am, but this is the thanks I get. This is the thanks, man. I'm out there just getting reamed defending Chris Pratt. And at the end, and then, and then the very same week. The villain of Jurassic Park are human beings. That's the villain. We're the, and I mean just not like I mean like as a species, like systemically, like we're not just like a few bad apples that we're the want, virus. Yes, not just a few bad apples that want to use them for nefarious gain, and and that element is depicted in the movies, and it's that element's been depicted in the movies from the very beginning of the of the franchise. Okay, no. We are systemically the villain as a species. Or at the very least, we're equal with them. We're on par with them. So therefore, there, there's nothing immoral about them coming out into our habit, natural habitat and exerting their dominance. In a, in a way, natural selection, it's okay if the suburbs can't stand up to the Vassilaraptor. Because and, and, the, the, the last few scenes of the film, and there's an, there's an after credit scene that's not worth staying for, which is why I didn't mention it. But it, it's a repeat of what you see at the end of the movie where you see these dinosaurs in these heavily populated areas about to pounce, and they do that at the after credit scene. They're on the Vegas Strip. They're at the Eiffel Tower. Okay. So what happens is the is in the film, and this is hinted at uh, in the in the reboot movie from a few years ago. There's an element that wants to weaponize the, these dinosaurs, turn them into essentially uh, yeah. weapons of mass destruction for uh, tyrannical regimes soldiers, and yeah. dictators yeah. across the globe. Okay, um, this group brings. I can never remember. I just know she's Ron Howard's kid. Is Dallas Bryce Howard. Dallas or Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay, Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard, thank you. Brings her and Chris Pratt back to the island under the false pretense that they want to they've found a new um unpopulated island there that isn't about to have a volcano rip it in half. And they want to transport the dinosaurs there to save them from from complete extinction again. All right. And so they feel responsible for what happened to these animals, and so they agree to go risk their lives to move them to this new island. Right away, I'm totally uncomfortable with this. They're not pets. I mean, this is, this, these, are, these are competing species that add nothing to the ecosystem we have now. I mean, they're from another time and another era. We're not even talking about 
um, if we let the lions go extinct, then the antelope will. You know, and what's that do to the food chain? They're not part of the ecosystem. They're not. They're unnatural. In many respects, they're illegal aliens. They they weren't invited here. They're not part of the ecosystem. So right away, I'm not right away. I'm uncomfortable with it. But I'm like, we'll roll with it for now. Fast forward. There are some really cool action scenes in this film, by the way. Fast forward. We get to the end, and when they do away with the people that want to use the animals for weaponization. One of the big reveals in the film is you find out the little girl that you think is the daughter of one of the original founders of Jurassic Park, or you think is the granddaughter, it's actually his daughter. She died before she could have any children. This was his princess, his whole life, and he had her cloned. And you find this out at the very end. She's a clone, she's a human clone. The, the dinosaurs are trapped in this containment cage. And uh, unfortunately, in, in the fracas and all the fighting and everything else, some toxic gas accidentally got uh, um, sent into the, into the air. They're all going to die. Every last one of them. That it, every last one is in this containment center. They're all going to die. They're all going to be poisoned to death. And Bryce Dallas Howard's character thinks about it and, and opens up the security panel that will open up this containment center and let them out so they can live. And she comes really close to doing it. And Chris Pratt's character looks at her and says, you sure you want to do this? No going back. In other words, he's, 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 he's making the case, hey, man, I'm all in on animal welfare. I'm not in on an animal welfare state. I like a living. I'm human. You know, there's a reason why we don't have, you know, brontosauruses. We don't, we, don't, we don't bring home a triceratops for the kids to play with, okay? Same reason we'll bring home a tiger or a lion or a, or a puma. They're going to slit our kids' throats, you know? So he's, he's like saying, hey, this is beyond, this, in Pratt's defense, he's basically saying, this is not what I signed up for, Okay. I didn't sign up for, a, an, I signed up to stop an extinction level event, not to cause one. Mm-hmm. All right. Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard's character thinks better of it and says, you're right. Walks away. A few seconds later, all of a sudden, the alarm sounds and the containment center opens and all the dinosaurs get out. And they turn around. Just as the dialogue in The Incredibles 2 and the two specific instances we cited, where the dialogue is key. Because again, I'll just tell you as a writer, if you want things to be subtle, you can infer them with action and, and kind of a roundabout way hint at something. And that way, if the audience can't handle it, that kind of gives you plausible deniability. Well, I wasn't overtly saying that. When you use dialogue, all the subtlety is gone. Dialogue is when it hits you right between the eyes with it. That's where the worldview of what's being communicated here Dialogue cannot permit a form of, of, of deep subtlety. The little girl who's the clone, the human clone, lets them out. And instead of saying something that like, I couldn't watch them die, I didn't think that this was right, 
there was no some bleeding heart statement that in a weak moment and it's a child she doesn't understand the the you know the the four dimensional chess at stake here we could all understand she doesn't do that she looks at chris pratt and says they're alive like me that's what she says she's not having a bleeding heart moment this is a value judgment to her it's like PETA. Like we talked about, there's lines in The Incredibles. It's like if we got together and, and they asked us, what dialogue would you want? And they put it in there. This is like if PETA got $300 million to make a summer blockbuster, this is the movie they would make. These dinosaurs, at the very least, are presented as being of equal inherent worth and value to human beings. Now, I don't even buy that they're presented as of equal worth and value because they are the superior species from a predatory standpoint. We have souls. We have cognitive ability. We have cunning. They don't have. But I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I, contrary to what you watch on CNN every night, there's not legions of machine guns in suburban homes in America just lined up to take out a T-Rex when it comes down Main Street. Okay. He's going to just destroy. It's going to be like, you know, downtown Tokyo. That's what it's going to be like. He's going to freaking maul this community. And the film ends with all the categories of dinosaurs essentially assembling around various communities around the world to pounce on human beings. And that's how it ends. Am I wrong, Todd? Well... I haven't seen the movie, but I... I thought you said you saw it. No, I saw The Incredibles. Oh, okay, my bad. But, no, you haven't ruined... Isn't it possible, though? Because it... it, You're not... That's not a utopia they're painting there. Isn't it possible that it's just being set up from the the reverse perspective that this is what happens, cloning, undervaluing humanity, overvaluing animals, that you you get this mess and that we will get another Jurassic Park movie that teaches uh, the, the, the cost of this folly? I think it's possible that if enough people were upset at the worldview of this film, they could retcon the next movie to address that. But see, just as there's the side plot in The Incredibles 2 where Frozone and Mr. Incredible and Dash and what's the daughter's name? Violet. Um, Violet. They're they're over here saving the world from what the feminist has mm-hmm. caused. And the and then the feminist and the mom are fighting each other individually over here. Correct. While the dinosaurs are over here causing and about to wreak cataclysmic global uh, havoc. A side plot is Dr. Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character from some of yeah. the original Jurassic Park movies, yeah. is testifying before Congress. You've seen this alluded to in the trailers. Right. He's testifying about um, why this is a bad idea along the lines of what you're saying and what it's going to cause. But he says, we're the fault of it. Um, We are weaponizing genetic engineering. We did this to ourselves. And because we're doing this to ourselves, um, they're going to make us extinct. So one way or another, humanity is the villain in this film it either is the cause of its own extinction because it can't restrain its nature 
um, which we as Christians would agree with, except there's a missing component here, guys. There's no redemptive element here. And, and so what you're left with is humanity's bad. Therefore, the dinosaurs are, uh, are here uh, as, uh, to bring us the kind of salvation that um, uh, who's one of uh, the, the one of the sons of Thanos? I'm thinking of says uses this line uh, to the Asgardians. This is your salvation. Yeah. You're being freed. Your destruction is your salvation. And the dinosaurs are here to remove the virus, as you put it earlier, of humanity. Yeah, we did cause this. We're bad, but no redemptive element is offered. The dinosaurs are essentially here to relieve us of our total depravity through an extreme form of capital punishment. So is this basically Walking Dead just with dinosaurs? Yes. Well said. Hmm. Yes. So you've seen it, so you can read the undertones. I'm much more comfortable with Jeff Goldblum's lecture. I mean, he's basically, I hear, I tell you, like, you... You and all your science, you and all your reason, you and all yeah. your progress. Look at what you brought. So, and we talk about that all yeah. the time. So, and we say it is our fault as fallen man. If there's man. no redemptive element, right. then, well, it, then it's just nihilism. Yes. So, uh, agreed. Um, they're putting us out of our misery, basically. That's what they're doing. They're just going to put us out of our misery. Because yes, human human nature is totally depraved, but human beings are still made in the image of God, and capable. Of, of doing things uh, because of that Imago Dei we all carry. We're capable of creating vaccines that save lives. We're capable of curing diseases. We're capable of loving our children. You see what I'm saying? That This yeah. is an incomplete picture. Yeah. It's an well, incomplete picture. And that's why when you when you told me about the clone, I mean, the, the dinosaur running, I mean, it has a, a, a taking over the earth, it has a Planet of the Apes kind of a feel. Mm-hmm. So that it, but when you told me it was a clone, that's, I, that, to me, took me to a dark place. I mean, do, do they realize that they are, they are putting a face on all of the uh, conservative theological concerns about the, the, the p- potential desouling of humanity. I mean, you're saying that you're putting a face on this clone and her her gut reaction is that there is no inherent value I'm glad to mankind. The, I'm glad you used Planet of the Apes because that remake trilogy was so promising if you watched the first two chapters. The first two were really good. I never yeah, saw the third based the third on one, what you the, said. The, this, the third one last summer, it's the same, same exact movie. Same plot line. Apes are better. We don't deserve to live. Roll credits. That's it. What's left of humanity is... Um, what's his face? Uh, f- uh, who am I thinking of? From Cheers, Hunger Games, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's Woody Harrelson's worst embodiment of total depravity is all that's left. So uh, we're done here now. Goodbye. That that's the plot of the last Planet of the Apes movie, and that's sort of how this movie ends. That is so bleak. It's just it, at some point along the line, even without God. It seems like you come to the point where you reject the notion that human nature is basically good, yep. but there's still no God, and so there's just nothing at the end of that. And except for, okay, let's just take ourselves out of our own misery. Yeah, suicide then becomes not something, not something that's the sign of a mind that needs help or a conscience that... Uh, needs to be reached and redeemed. It's a it's a laudable escape 
it's it's a it's a Sophocles play. It's Agamemnon. We all just drink, we all just drink hemlock at the end because that's that's the it's the virtuous thing to do when you realize you've done something so bad. There's no and 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 no redemptive element, so there's no coming back from it. Uh, have some honor and end yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what this is. Yeah, and that's again that's bleak, but it's interesting because we always talk about progressives. Um, the, the the one issue or the one notion um, that will separate the wheat from the chaff with anybody, whether you go down the road of progressivism or whether you go down uh, the other path, is human nature. And it seems like, a, like we just said, eventually you do notice that human nature is not basically good. But when you don't turn to a redemptive God, then yeah, it's just what you, what you described. It goes back to the crowd outside of Lot's house. You know, you go from give us what we want to the next day when the sulfur falls, you just sit there and kind of watch, bro. I guess this is it, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're done here. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, that's ultimately what happens when progressivism is honest about itself. It so refuses to bend the knee to its creator that it chooses cataclysm it chooses death it chooses extinction rather than redemption because accepting that redemption would require a freaking scintilla or modicum of humility of which we have none I'd rather go to hell Lord than make you right about me I'd rather be in hell than permit you to save me. My own destruction, my own extinction is preferable to admitting I was wrong about anything. Why pride is the deadliest of the seven No doubt. Final thoughts, gentlemen. I really, really hope, based on the trends we're talking about, that this is... A, this this uh, Jurassic Park movie is a prelude to a redemptive story of humanity because that movie, while well, it can easily be dismissed as just another dinosaur movie, there's been so many of them. I mean, it could just fall into that. It's dark, man. I I'm still my my. I can't get over the cloning thing. I can't get over how obvious the tale is that that's, no doubt. Not, that's not elevating that's progressivism right. as that is, at that all. Is, that is not that is purposeful. That is the tail wagging the dog. It cannot be dismissed. You're right. Aaron. I really hope in all these movies that you've talked about with conservative messaging, um, you know, conservative messages within them, I hope the message that you are receiving is the same one that people who maybe don't have quite as sensitive of a worldview uh, meter or um, uh, you know, kind of look through things. Or through imagination. imagination. It's okay, you can no, say it. No, I don't want to say imagination because <laughs> I see the points that you're making. I hope the message that you're receiving is the same one that other people would receive if they thought about things at the level you think about them. When they when it comes to movies, yeah, and I'm not knocking I'm not knocking you at all. I just hope I that that is the 
hope that that is the case because if it is um holly weird might be undermining itself as we speak well just as you know when you we talked before about liam neeson and uh Oh, the crazy gal who played uh, the White Witch in the first Narnia movie. Right. And, Li- and Liam, uh, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. And Liam Neeson, who plays at the voice of Aslan, just totally denying that the movie is a Christological allegory, just totally denying what their own content and subject matter is. The, and, and the, the and, voice of the mouse in the second one is is the cross-dressing, yeah. who's really, a, he's he's undeniably funny and yeah. witty, but he's he's done the same thing. Uh, right. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Red, Eddie Redmayne, is that no, you're talking about? No, that's a different guy. Eddie okay. Redmayne's the. Yeah. But um, you, we've talked before. Do they? What do they think when they're on set and they're? Do they not understand the worldview they're communicating? Well, they. I think this. I, I wonder what Pratt thought when he got to the end of the script. So he's the main reason I think this has. This has got to be. Going I wonder. Somewhere. I, I wonder if he asked. Uh, so what? Do we have the script for Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom yeah. 3 done yeah. yet? <laughs> or do, we know, do we know where this is going next? Or at the very least, here's a guy who's clearly comfortable going out. He'll say, yeah, this. I made a cautionary tale. I, speaking yeah. for myself, If he just, even if this is it, I'm telling True. you this is a caution sign. True, true. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. And hey, if you've had a chance to subscribe, thank you to leave us a positive review. Hundreds of you have done that already. Thank you. If you haven't yet, please do so on your podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, at all. We would greatly appreciate it. That helps us to get the word out to even more people. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. 